um, from Mark chapter 12, and it's verses 41 to 44. It says, Jesus sat opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Isn't that rude? He was watching what they were doing. I'm sure when the offering comes around, people aren't looking to see what, what you put. Jesus was watching to see what was put in the temple treasury. Treasury. Many rich people throw in large amounts, threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came, put two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. You see, it's not what you've got that God is concerned about, it's what you do with it. It's a heart thing. And those guys could put a lot of money in because they could afford it and not even notice it. But this woman gave what she had because she was touched by the love of God. He says, they gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put everything, all she had to live on. We've heard, heard some family stuff this morning. First bit was inspiring. Wasn't it inspiring to see those people come to Jesus? Now, they were all women, but that's because the community groups are about families and things like that. But do you know something? Guys have come to Jesus because of the ministry of our church in this place. That was a tip of an iceberg. But it's exciting. It's inspiring. I had allergies when I was looking at that. <sighs> because God is at work. God is doing stuff. And you know, we, do you know what this bit about? Cutting down time and retiring, that is so counter to everything we've ever done. I want to tell you this, Judith and I have got the very most fruitful, best days of our ministry ahead of us. I mean that because we've got an experience now that we've gained that we will be able to bless this church with. Right? Whether you like it or not. Amen. Okay, I've got that. So that was an inspiring visit video of what God is doing by his grace through the work of Horizon. And it's really important that you know that by the grace of God, you are part, you are part of something amazing. I was sharing this with a friend of mine. He's a retired minister. Isn't it terrible when you've got retired friends? But he said, how could anyone not want to be part of and invest in what God's doing in that church? That's what he said. Someone completely objective. First thing I want to say is this, thank you so much, good and faithful servants. There are countless people in this place who give generously, who serve tirelessly, well they get tired, but they tirelessly serve and do stuff that makes this place happen. And without the fantastic people that you and others who aren't here today are, we couldn't do what we do. Uh, it, it's, it's good and faithful servants. Can I say you're more than volunteers, you're heroes. And I really do, do mean that. You see, that was inspiring. But along with inspiring, we've heard the challenging as well, haven't we? <laughs> we've heard the challenging bit. Uh, we've just had a financial report. What a time to come in, hear about a financial report. Good morning and welcome. Don't be embarrassed, mate. You are welcome here. Good morning. I'm good at making people feel ease, aren't I? <laughs> we've had the financial report to deal with. Now, that can either swallow us up or we can deal with it in the name of Jesus, yeah? And see God's provision. 
anything that God did in the Bible, you see it, any miracle, any fantastic thing he did always came with a great big challenge. It was never easy. Always, always, always. So I'm just going to look for a short while this morning at the subject of generosity and giving that's expressed in many ways, but we've been talking about money, and I want to talk about money today because I never talk about money. I've no, I don't know when I last preached about money, to my shame. But you know, the Bible mentions it about 700 times. Jesus spoke about it often. It's there, and it's important because money is a very, very powerful thing. It is powerful. People invest their lives into getting money. There's even songs about it. Money, money, money. Must be funny in the rich man's world. Um, And money has power to bless, if we use it right, doesn't it? It can relieve needs. We can do wonderful things with money, or it can have a devastating effect and bring a curse upon us. The Bible says that the, the love of money is a root of all evil. And the reason that is, is this, that when people give their lives to get money, they don't actually have money serve them, they serve money. And there's this vicious circle and cycle that you have to work more hours and more hours and more hours to get more money and more money and money and money and money and money, and and then you have a heart attack and you die because you've been working too hard to get money. Whereas, I believe it's a blessing from God that he wants us to use. So I want to share something with you, this. That in preparing this this morning, I have had the most awful week. And the reason is this, I know that I'm hitting a spiritual wall and a spirit that would seek to keep us limited and keep us down. And I'm an Englishman. I don't like talking about money. You see, you don't go up to somebody and say, how much do you earn? You just don't do it, do you? Because money's a bit private. And here I am talking about money. But God really convicted me. He said, you know, you can preach about faith. You can preach about um, love. You can preach about all sorts of things. Do you know, the Bible's got stuff in there about something that affects every one of our lives. And God wants us to minister to this world and handle resources and money really, really well. And he's got the keys for us to do that. So it's a blessing and it, we're not the servant of it. Does that make sense? You see, so I was convicted that I felt bad about it. But I also have been praying like anything this week because I want this to come across and bring life. I don't want us to be subject to a spirit of poverty that holds the church back. I want us to see a church that is released to become all that God wants it to be. You know, it's a spiritual battle. Uh, and, And it's a picture of that. It's David and Goliath. Do you remember Israel had an army... And the Philistines had an army, and they were stuck there. Now, the Israelite army had the potential to beat the enemy. But every day, a Goliath came out. A giant came out, and he intimidated the people. And nobody, nobody, nobody dared to to, to oppose him. They were scared of him. It was ridiculous, really. And yet, there was that spiritual force. He came in the name of his gods, and it held God's people back. And you know, I sometimes feel that in churches, 
The church has been stopped from moving forward because of a Goliath that stands there and intimidates us and holds us back and puts poverty in our way. We must not have a poverty spirit. We must remember that the God that we serve owns everything. He's given us everything and he's entrusted everything for us to invest into the kingdom. I'm talking to people here this morning who I believe love this church, are committed to this church, not because we're the best church in the borough, although we might be. No, I'm biased. But because you belong here, you're called here, and we are going to see the kingdom come and his will be done. And we want to invest in that. Well, I do. Do you know, I'm insanely committed to this church. I don't know why, but God's called me here, and this is the center of my life. You're stuck with us. Tough. So we're addressing a spiritual force, okay? You know, we're also addressing a culture clash. (laughs) From the world's perspective, money gives security. Right? If I've got a lot of money, I'm safe. That's why people do the lottery. Because if you win the lottery, you're set up for life. Why is it do you hear people who've won the lottery go bankrupt and their lives are ruined? It's because... Money is an idol if that's where you get your security from. We get our security from Jesus. The money's no good when you die, but Jesus makes sure we live everlasting lives. Don't store up for yourself treasure on earth, but you can have a bit, but store up treasure in heaven where the moth doesn't get it and the rust doesn't get it. We have eternal riches in Jesus. Hey, don't get me wrong, we all can do with a few extra quid. But that's not what we live for. See the difference? That's the difference. That's the difference. Um, So, money gives me security. The other thing that we're a fallacy, that that the world has this attitude, is that what I've earned is mine. I'll tell you what the kingdom says. Right? All I have is God's. Everything you have is God's. We don't actually own anything. We just look after it. We look after it. You know, you, oh, I own my house. Yeah, but when you die, someone else will live in there. (laughs) I'm just looking after it for now. I'm a steward. See, all I have is God's. And the other thing is that it's him who enables me to get the things that I have. I get the strength to, 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 to receive. So it's... Things are entrusted to me, not owned by me. You know that parable that Jesus told of the the talents? Five, three, and one. The master gave some finance, some resources to three servants. And they had charge of it. And then he came back and saw what they did with it. I want you to know that it never belonged to them. It always belonged to him. But they were responsible for making it work for him and then he came back and they had to give an account do you know to whom much is given much is required now this morning I I want to really say I know that there are people here families might be struggling so I'm not putting some big pressure on anybody to impoverish yourself But what I am saying is this, we need to hear what God says to us and trust him to tell us to do what we should do.
because we're responsible to him. Kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, the Bible talks about tithing and first fruits in the Old Testament. The law required a tenth of people's income to be given to God. Um, a numerical expression of that is the, is the term first fruits. But it was not a legal thing. It was something Abraham did before the law. And today, Christians are called to bring their first fruits in the form of our tithes and other offerings to the church. God's house, the body of Christ, the community through which God will reach the world with his love. And it's this, we bring them out of love, affection and gratitude for all Christ has done for us, not out of legalistic fear or duty, because it's a relational giving, not a rule-based giving. And nobody stands over you and makes you give. Um, There's a book called The Cross and the Switchblade, a fella called David Wilkerson. And um, he had these gang, gang members come into his meeting in New York. And in the film, I saw it, he got them to take up the offering. <laughs> he got them to take up the offering. And he, his mates thought he was mad because that's the last you're going to see of that offering. But do you know what? They didn't do what they expected. They gave him the offering. But I tell you what, there was a huge offering that day. So he put some in. A bit more. And he went along every... And I, there was a huge offering that day. We don't do that. We don't ask you what you give. And, you know, I make it my personal business not to know what you give. All right? Because then I, then I can say things. <laughs> say things and you know I'm not getting at you but the church is what Jesus is committed to building and which he's called to and 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 which we are called to and committed to as well in the early church they devoted themselves the bible says to the fellowship that's why I'm insanely committed to this place not that we are the only church in the borough but we are a local expression that is reaching people for Jesus effectively in our area. And it would be a shame, wouldn't it, if we had to fold up because we didn't have enough money. That's only money. For goodness sake, it's ridiculous. Um, you see, when we give, it is a response and recognition of God's grace. First of all, sorry, it's giving to God. That's what it is. It's giving to God. You know, when the widow put that money in the, in, the, in the offering, Jesus watched and used what he saw to teach his disciples. He was impressed by her heart. You see, what and how we give is significant. It's all about giving to God. We can give to all sorts of things, folks. There's a million, you know, I can walk down the high street and there's cancer research, there's RSPCA, there's Adopt a Donkey, there's Save a Chimp, there's, there's, there's you name it, you've got it, and they're all, good, they're all good things. Poppy Day, all the rest of it, all those things, and you can give to those, but let me tell you something, as people of God, we're called to give to the kingdom of God and the, and the work of the, of the church here. Because that's what we are, that's who we are. It's a response and recognition of God's love and grace. Um, 
Our values, our attitudes and priorities change when Jesus touches our lives. And at the end of the day, we've been given everything. And Ephesians says, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. We're told to grow in the grace and the knowledge of God. And I believe that giving is a grace that God gives us and enables us. We give and are a channel of God's grace to the world and to one another. In uh, Corinthians, it speaks about a church in Macedonia. Let me just read to you a little bit from the message, because it, it gives you just the spirit of it, really. In, in 2 Corinthians 8, uh, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. He said, now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia. Fierce troubles came upon the people in those churches, pushing them into the very limit. The trial exposed their true colours. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. How about that? The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. That is amazing. That is the grace of God that enables them, despite their poverty, to give. And he goes on to say, I'm not trying to order you around against your will, but by bringing in the Macedonians' enthusiasm as a stimulus to your love, I'm hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of our Master Jesus Christ. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us in one stroke, making himself poor that we might become rich. We are recipients of all the riches of heaven and God's love. And in, and in, in 2 Corinthians 9... It says this, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. That will, now this is important, that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. I cannot stand it when people wring money out of folks and make them go on a guilt trip. Do you know what I want people to do? I want people to pray and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do with what you've given me? Then you can give joyfully, then you can give as, as from your heart, instead of being leaned upon and wringing it out. And, 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 and it also protects you from rummaging around in your pocket when the offering comes around, so you give God a tip. Oh, the offering, oh, oh, God. oh 20p, oh, thank you, Lord, amen. No, do you know what, if we're going to worship God with our giving, let's do it properly and let's do what he wants us to do. If he says to you, give him 20p, give him 20p. Whatever it is. This is about you and God, and me and God, isn't it? Yeah. Right, good. We are called to be generous, people who give in faith, and people who give faithfully. You see, giving's important for these reasons. Firstly, it releases the kingdom of God. It releases the kingdom of God. When Goliath was knocked down by David, it released the army of Israel to win. And sometimes it takes a step of faith to unlock a situation and then it happens. Why be held back by a spirit of poverty when we can resource what God wants to do? Let's, let's not look at what we don't have, but let's give and use what we do and commit it to God. You know, it releases the kingdom. It honours God. You know, the main thing that God wants out of us is our hearts. Given of ourselves, 
And if we give of ourselves, we give of our resources. He loves us and he wants us to love him. That's why I don't want anybody to feel compelled to give against their will. I want you to do it as a love act towards God, towards Jesus and for the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The only compulsion is the compulsion God gives you, all right? And that's his business. For God loves a cheerful giver. Faithful, generous, God-centered is not impulsive. But we decide to give as worshippers. It blesses the giver. Great testimony from Sam, isn't it? He has tried to outgive God, no doubt. He can't do it, can you, mate? He can't do it. Sam and Hannah have been blessed. They've got a lovely home, he's got a great job, all the rest of it. It's not because he's materialistic, it's because he's a faithful, good and faithful servant who has invested in the kingdom. And it works! I, do you know what? Judith and I are embarrassed sometimes of how well off we are. I just, I, we've, we've never, ever really earn a lot of money have we and yet we own our own house and you know we, we're all right sometimes I think how did that happen because we're not particularly financial whiz kids but God's blessing has been upon us because we've sought first the kingdom and his righteousness and all this other stuff has come as well don't worry about what you're going to what you're going to eat and what you're going to put on God knows what you have seek him first invest in him and he blesses you. You can say an amen to that if you really, really want to. But it works. It works. It blesses the giver. God is able to bless you, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, abundantly so that in all things, all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Our attitude. What's our, just ask yourself this question. When it's the offering time, what's your attitude to that? Oh, no, it's this again. What are we going to do? Or is it great? This is an opportunity now to serve Jesus by putting into the kingdom, financing, resourcing what God wants to do. <coughs> you know, holding back impoverishes you. We talk about sowing seed. If you don't sow the seed, if you keep your hand closed and don't let go of the seed, you will never get a crop. But when you open your hand, you will spread the seed and you will raise a crop and reap a harvest. I think giving, you know, can I just say that God's not hard up, all right? <laughs> He's not thinking, oh, I wish I'd give some more money at Horizon because I'm really skinned. Now, actually, what he wants us to do is to put him first because it affects us more than it affects him. He's quite all right, but it's about what we do with what he gives us. It's a heart thing, okay? And finally, it establishes the future. Sowing and reaping are not instantaneous. You don't plant a tree to benefit you. You plant a tree to benefit the future generations. You've seen those little kids in those videos? Have you seen, have you seen the people that God wants to reach that don't even know they belong here yet? People that will come here after all of us have gone. I want us now to secure our future in Jesus and establish the future. And do you know what? It's a bit easier talking about money now because, because it's not going to affect me all that much for too long. I'm more concerned about the future. Oh, dear me. Sowing and reaping, not instantaneous, but you do it with a vision for what God's going to do. 
I want something greater for the generations to come. Tell you what, young people are growing up in a crazy world. It's mad, isn't it? Do you know, more than anything else, they need Jesus, centre of their lives. And the church needs to be strong. Can I hand over to Judith in a sec? Because we're going to do something scary and give an opportunity for a response. The last thing I'd say, as Judith is coming, is when we give, if you pay tax, please get on the gift aid scheme. Because that makes up a whole lot more money. I've heard people use this thing. I don't want to be on the gift aid scheme because I have to identify myself. And the Bible says you shouldn't let the left hand know what the right hand's doing. Can I tell you, if you... Don't go on the gift aid scheme because of that scripture. You've got it all round your neck. It can be convenient if you're embarrassed about what you're not giving. But don't give me that. It's wrong. That is talking about people who flaunt what they give and and make a big deal. Here, everybody, I'm giving all this money. No, don't do that. Give. And only the people who need to know will know what you're giving. And they don't care. All I want to do is get the funds in from the tax man that will help us in our gap that we've got to fill. All right? So, Judith, do come. Amen. Sin is a family. And Dave said, our priority is the future. So, to be honest, my... And our first reaction was, well, we will reduce our income then. We will t- take a salary cut, and that money can go into Horizon. I spoke to our level-headed, slotted-headed financial, uh, you know, the slot at the top of your head, uh, trustee, and I said, how about that, because that will fix it. And he says, no, it won't, Judith, because I'm not very financially with it. Because if we did that, the salary money for when Wes needs it, which our joint salary together at the moment would only, when he comes on to get paid, is only the basic minimum of a newly qualified minister in the London area. And if we gave that to the church to meet this need for now, this guy can't come full time when it's time to come. And I went, oh yeah, (laughs) silly me. So my, my and Dave's challenge is, what are we going to give out of the salary that we are going to extra that we currently take? But I just wanted to tell you that is our heart. We would bleed to death for this church because this is God's called us here. This is God's stuff. This is kingdom stuff. I would hate to think that people like Susan would have never have found Christ if we'd have sat 10, 10 years ago and said, oh, no, no, we're going to stay in that comfortable church with a comfortable salary. We're not going to take a step of faith and have no salary and start a new church. She wouldn't be sitting here. I can't bear it. I can't bear the thought that the people like those that you've seen on the video that are yet to find Christ won't find it because I can't take a step of faith, Right? Now, I am fully aware, I know some of you are in restricted financial places, okay? That, that's, that's, give, that's fine. And all I would say to you is, like Dave said, go and talk to God. But you know what? Sometimes it's a good idea to just take a look at your, um, your 
bank balance and, and where, what's coming in and going out. Because sometimes you forget what you're spending money on. And um, you, know, you can do an exercise and say, actually, can, um, can I reduce my TV package and give that to God? Can, do, I, do I really need the subscription to that magazine? Can I give a takeaway a week up? I don't know what it is in your life, but if you sit before God and say, I can't give any more because I'm struggling, but what is it that you could make room in my life that actually, yeah, I could release that into this faith challenge? Well, we're not wanting you to have a knee-jerk reaction today. We want you to go home and to talk to God and to ask him about this stuff and ask him where he wants you to step up in faith, how he wants to bless you, how he wants you to mature. Because God's clearly said to me, Judith, pack in trying to financially fix this church. It's time for this church to stand on its own two feet and grow up because we all own this church, right? And as I get older, and when I don't have a salary, don't look to me to fix it all because we won't have one, right? But... I've got to stop doing that. Obviously, I'm still going to talk to God about what I've got to give, but I've got to get out of that mentality that we just fix it all the time. We can't just fix it all the time. It's going to be a joint stuff. So what we're going to do, we're going to ask you to go and talk to God, and then over the weeks, we're going to be doing the Lego Challenge. Here we go. Um, we're going to have a little Lego. Marla's already said mine, mine. I'm borrowing it, Marla. It's actually at my house, so it's mine. So anyway, we're going to have a Lego challenge. Uh, and these, these, you can get a little brick because there's a tiny little sticker that, that goes on the bricks. You might need someone with a good set of nails to get the sticky adhesive off the back. But there's a space there for the figure that you are going to pledge extra that God tells you you're going to give extra every week and when I say extra does not include what you regularly give now right it's extra because that's the shortfall and then there's a little box that says GA gift aid if you're a gift aid person tick that box because what's going to happen is uh, oh and, and then there's a card for you to take home to remind you whether you want to put that in your bible or on your fridge or whatever to remind you what you're aiming for we're going to have it built up in bricks every week with the stickers on the side. And a person who's not me, who knows something about maths, will add it up, put the gift aid on, and every week we will have the total of the money we've given, we're pledged to give um, every week in addition, as of and have the date. And then that can be wiped clean every week. And so you can see... Uh, how far we're getting to get what is where Sam set us the total of £562.71. That's where we're aiming for. Now, if we do what we can, and when we've done what we can, then God will do what we can't. And you know what? If he gets fed up with you and has to do what he can because we won't, who misses out on the blessing? We do, Right? So we will be applying for grants. We will be asking God to provide it in different ways. But family, it's our first responsibility to talk to God about our home and financing our home. Have a look who and what you give to. Ask God to prioritise that. There are some very generous people, but you might be giving more to another organisation and God will say to you, actually, I want to change your priorities, change the figures around. I don't know what he's going to say to you. 
All I'm asking you to do is open your ear holes and then do what he tells you because then it will all get fixed. Nobody is pressurizing you. If you know already, because God's clearly gone boing in your ear hole and told you, then you can fill in one of your little stickers today and you can put it on the Lego brick. But it will come out every week and it will keep coming out every week so that when God has spoken to you, you can do your little sticker, take your reminder home and then we can have that figure. So isn't it good when, when you're giving that you, you actually know how near the target we are? Builds faith. But please hear me again, again, we are not pressurizing anyone. It's your business between you and God. But we would be remiss as leaders of this church if we didn't teach you what the Bible says about our heart and our giving and asking God to direct you and giving you the opportunity to step up to a challenge God might give you because you've heard a testimony today of what happens when you're obedient in giving and you worship God with your money, okay? So, that's the Lego challenge. It will be there. Please don't take the bricks home. (laughs) I need the bricks. Just stick a little label on there and take your reminder home. Is that good? Now, if you have, this is family, right? If you have any problem with anything we've said today, please do not let it stick in your head and come and speak to us, right? Email us, text us, phone us. We don't want any misunderstanding. We are family. And just as God said it's not up to me to fix this, he's not saying it's up to you individually, you as a person, an individual person, to fix it. And the last thing I'll say, and then we'll shut up and have some of these biscuits that Rachel wants. The last thing I'll say is if you have a joint financial commitment, you live with someone, married to them or not, that you have a joint financial life with, you do need to make sure that you get their permission, if it's a joint bank account, that you get their permission if you're going to give any extra. Because sometimes unmarried partners get really cheesed off if you're going to give to church and, well, well we, we, we're strapped for cash here. Do you know what I mean? We say that sen- that's a sensible thing to do. If it's your money, personal money, fine. You can do what you like with it. If it's with someone else, uh, a husband or a wife or a partner, then you really need to have a joint conversation. And if you go, oh, but they're not Christians, they won't understand, well, then spend a lot of time praying about it first, then ask God for an opportunity, then you'll see what God can do. Are you excited? When we hit that challenge, you'll all go, yeah, we did it, God did it. So be a part of it. Yeah. When he says about, what was this, 20, 20 million pounds short that we are, it sounds big. But when you break it down, it's peanuts, really. It's peanuts. All right? One thing Derek asked me to say is this. If you're in the gift aid scheme and you put cash in, please put it in an envelope so that we know who you are. Otherwise, we miss the gift aid on it because it's just an anonymous £5 note or 20 or £50 million note. But, if you, <laughs> but you know, so that's just a very practical thing. And there are gift aid forms there. I'm going to shut up now about money. I'm going to drink tea and coffee and eat biscuits. And I'm going to pray, first of all, Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are so grateful to you for what you're doing in our church and in our lives. And I pray that, Lord, that you'll help us in our devotion to the kingdom and to one another to honour you in every way. We just commit what we've heard to you this morning and pray that, Lord, you'll speak to us 
and that you will help us to see a miraculous turnaround. That nothing will stand in our way to do what you called us to do. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. God bless you.